Welcome to Sloney's Talking with Sloney's, a candid conversation with alumni and faculty about the MIT Sloan experience and how it influences what they're doing today. So, what does it mean to be a Sloney? Over the course of this podcast, you'll hear from guests who are making a difference in their community, including our own very important one here at MIT Sloan. Hi, I'm your host, Christopher Reichert, and welcome to Sloney's Talking with Sloney's. My guest today is Irene Hernandez, a 2018 graduate of Sloan's MBA program, and she teaches in blockchain and business applications at the OBS Business School as well. She did blockchain research on decentralized grids at the MIT Media Lab when she was in Cambridge. She speaks four languages, Chinese, English, German, and a little bit of Spanish. She was <laughs> awarded an MIT Dean's Fellowship and a CEPI Foundation Fellowship. Bienvenida, Irene. Es un placer conocerte. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Gracias. She's also the founder and CEO of Gattaca, a global digital ID um, platform that provides uh, verified identities to deliver fast and secure customer onboarding experiences, which I want to return to in a minute. Uh, for users, that means you have a mobile um, identity application. It's like a wallet on your phone, um, and you can store your personal data securely, and then you can manage access uh, to all the digital, diff different digital services in one place. For companies, Gattaca offers them identity verification and single sign-on tools. So companies get the service from Gattaca, which then offers it to customers, and they all join up on a credentials issuing and validation platform to keep it all safe and secure. So, welcome. Thank you. I couldn't have explained it better myself. <laughs> so uh, the first question I have is for the name Gattaca. Everyone knows about the uh, the movie. Was it? Did it come from the movie or from somewhere else? No, it did. Not, it did not come from the movie. Uh, I hadn't seen the movie um, at the time I put the name. Uh, actually, my husband was the architect of the name, but it's kind of related. The G A T and C that are the four main letters that compound the name of the movie are also the four main components of the DNA. And because we're building digital identities, which is in an essence, the DNA of the internet, we found it pretty appropriate to put the, the name for the company. So, so you mentioned you wrote a Medium article about 35 use cases of decentralized digital identities. Tell me a bit about what, what, what's the, the genesis of Gattaca and how did you come around to starting the company? Well, my professional journey has always been about seeking the next big thing for me. A little bit about myself to better explain how I ended up building Gattaca. Um, I was born in Spain uh, where I went to a German school, so I grew up in between two different cultures. Also, my mom was an executive in a large corporation, so she would travel a lot, and I got to spend periods of time in other countries. And I guess all of that shaped my mindset early on and helped me learn everything within a global perspective and understand my life, not only as part of my family and friends, but as part of the whole planet. My parents also woke up in me a growing interest for new technologies. I remember my first computer was an Amstrad with a green screen and MS-DOS operating system. And I, I can still remember typing CD games to access the QBasic Gorillaz game. And uh, I guess throughout time, technology became my second passion. I did my college degree in telecommunications engineering and sought a job in the R&D department of a multinational telecom operator 
other times when mobile phones were the next big thing. Um, I, I helped the company build two business units from scratch, amazing projects, love them. And they made me realize how much I like bringing new projects to life. And this is then when I decided I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I tried a couple of business ideas on my own. They didn't really ever go anywhere. So I decided to quit that great job and a very comfortable and happy life to pursue this decision. I knew entrepreneurship is not easy. So I decided to get some help and apply to MIT, a business school very well renowned in entrepreneurship um, to gather some, some new tools and extend my network to increase my chances of success. Well, while at MIT, I discovered blockchain technologies very early on. I joined the MIT Media Lab and their DCI department, which researches on blockchain technologies. And while working there, I had this click moment in which I thought, wait a minute, it makes a lot of sense. These technologies can help me solve a personal problem I was very frustrated with at the time, which was my privacy and how I had to give away all my personal information to everyone. I was also a victim of the Equifax data breach, so all my financial information is likely in the dark web, sold for a few pennies. <laughs> um, and I thought that there was something fundamentally wrong. So I started monitoring all these data breaches and I discovered that identity fraud is the fastest growing type of cybersecurity attack. My underlying hypothesis, I conducted an independent research study uh, at MIT, and my hypothesis was that if, if we're advocated to a fully digital economy, this is going to get worse and worse. And the reason is that our current authentication architectures are obsolete. They were defined in the 80s, and they've, they've not changed ever since. We still use usernames and passwords in centralized architectures where businesses are responsible for creating our identities and maintaining our data. Yeah, let me ask you a question about that. Um, so, you know, back in the 90s, Microsoft tried to introduce this product called Passport. And the idea being that they, you know, all your pass, passwords and whatnot would be centralized on this platform. And then when you left a Microsoft product, although I'm sure they never wanted you to leave a Microsoft product, that you then would have this one place for identity credentials. But Gattaca is, is really about decentralizing digital identity. And so how do you explain that Gattaca as a company, which is one entity, will provide a decentralized experience. G give us the underlying you know, thinking and, and mechanics of that. So the idea is that not even us as an organization can control nor see the user's data. It's actually the, the final user who stores and maintains their personal information. And we're just a technology provider, an enabler, if you will, uh, so that um, users can connect with credentials issuers and with digital service providers and share that information securely and under control, uh, while we as an organization are just the, the, the channels for those communications. So if we think about blockchain, I think this is one of the, maybe I'm just, I'm not getting it, but I guess the idea for blockchain, as I understand it, is that the jigsaw puzzle that makes up your full identity is stored 
in multiple places and needs to be re- needs to be consistent between them before your identity is verified. Is that is that a good summary of blockchain? So blockchain has many different use cases. We don't use blockchain to store your identity credentials. That would be actually a mistake. Your identity credentials are physically stored in your phone. What you, what, what we use blockchain for is to store public keys um, that we use to verify the authenticity and ownership of those credentials. And as per the name, public keys are public. The problem of public keys is how you distribute them worldwide. And blockchain is uh, the nicest environment to be able to distribute your public key to the world. In addition to that, Um, There is one additional problem that may seem minor at the beginning, but it's crucial, which is how do you uniquely identify one person worldwide? So in the United States, you have the social security number, which is the one that kind of identifies you uniquely in in the United States for governmental purposes. (laughs) For identity. I mean, if people know yeah, it, yeah, then they can, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but just yes, talking about one single identifier or number uh, that is unique worldwide, you need an organization or someone that is capable of managing this database of unique identifiers. And we would again fall in a real problem if we concentrate all of these numbers or references and the issuance of those numbers in a central organization. So blockchain provides the infrastructure to be able to store those decentralized unique identifiers for everyone worldwide. So that's really the the platform that links the request and the answer together uh, in a distributed way that has a public component that can't be corrupted, but it does have to be verified. That's right. And so right now, you know, one of the, I guess the two big easy authentication platforms that I'm constantly encountering. It seems to me I have like three choices when I sign up for a service, depending on the service, of course. Banks are their own thing. But let's say I sign up for another online consumer-facing website or service. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have use your email and password, create another password, and, you know, we we roll our eyes because, you know, we're probably going (laughs) to use the same again, right? Rotating through six different versions. Uh, the second and third tend to be Facebook and Google open authentication. So tell me, how does this fit in there? Does it, this replaces, it sounds to me like it replaces all of those, assuming companies and users sign up together. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really glad that you pointed out at the beginning that, well, banks do another thing. That's the problem. The uh, Facebook and Google authentication does not guarantee your identity. And for sensitive services like uh, financial services, e-government services, e-health, you really need to be sure who you're dealing with at the other end of your computer. And what decentralized digital identities can provide is this single sign-on capability combined with the security level of a government-issued certificate. So you are able through decentralized digital identities to not only verify, but also demonstrate who you are. And so I think um, I was thinking of uh, services like, well, I guess LastPass is a, is, a, is a good example. 
it seems to me that your what Gattaca is trying to do is completely change the approach from making it easy for people to remember passwords, which is just just addressing the symptom of of the disease as opposed to curing the disease. Is that? I think Gattaca looks like it's totally just flipping that around. Is that right? That's correct. We're looking at a whole new paradigm. We actually want to kill the concept of password. Doesn't make sense. 60% of people use the same password everywhere for as long as they can. What we're proposing is to change completely the architecture, to invert it. So users are the ones holding uh, a central repository of their information uh, that, by the way, can be verified. And they, in a simplified way, they, they grant access to that repository of personal information to the, the businesses instead of the other way around. I deliver you a bunch of information from scratch every time for each service provider, and that business is responsible for maintaining these instance of my identity. We want to think about it the other way around, to have one single true instance of my identity that I then share selectively with businesses. So tell me, how did you decide on attending Sloan? Were you thinking of this business before you got to Sloan, or is this something that came together with your experience at Sloan at the Martin Trust Center or in classes or with uh, fellow students? It came together while at MIT. I knew I wanted to do something bigger than myself. All the ideas I had been juggling in my mind before joining Sloan were not big enough, I guess. I want to think big, to do something that could really impact the world we live in. And this sounds maybe too romantic, but I, I think we're working towards that goal. And at MIT, it's the collaboration with the Media Lab what made me realize how in love I am with the technology itself, with blockchain technologies and its underlying philosophy and how it could solve the authentication problem I was mentioning before. So how did you connect yourself with the Media Lab? I think other prospective students would be interested to know what that process was like if they want to do it. So in my case, I got involved with I guess everything. Um, with blockchain technologies, at the time I joined MIT, there were not many groups out there. Uh, I remember they were organizing lunch sessions on Wednesdays, and I joined a couple of them. I met a couple of professors, asked around, and they told me that the MIT Media Lab had the digital currency initiative, and I should talk to them. So that's how I reached out to people at the MIT Media Lab in the DCI department and finally got my internship there. And then I, I stayed a little bit longer collaborating with the department. Interesting. I've, I used to wander down to the Media Lab myself because I just found that the, the environment just had this creative, edgy, unknown element to it, which I loved. You can definitely smell innovation in that building. <laughs> exactly. So how did, uh, so you, you, you were at MIT, you were at Sloan, and you were interning at the Media Lab. Um, how did you integrate that over uh, at, at Sloan with courses? Did you take any particular courses to enhance the work over at the Media Lab? Uh, or even for that matter, improve your own knowledge or skills in, in entrepreneurship? Um, yeah, I, I definitely took advantage of all the courses I had to um, move the business forward. In the end, I came up pretty early 
during my stay at MIT with the concept and I leveraged any single course uh, towards building a business out of it. I also did an independent research study on how blockchain technologies could help in the digital identity use case. So it was a combination of three different pillars. One is my research, more technical research um, at the MIT Media Lab on the technology plus more entrepreneurial courses from Sloan, plus an independent research on the specific uh, business concept. And did you have a, um, a favorite professor at Sloan or class? Well, that's hard. That's a hard question. Um, I guess Michael Casey was uh, one of the persons that really shaped my stay there at, at MIT. He's an, not only an amazing speaker, but also very, very generous with um, um, helping students getting into real business, getting people connected with each other. And his introductions were key in, in the beginnings of Gattaca. So you've been out for, I guess, two years now, just under, oh, exa- almost exactly two years. Do you have... Um, a favorite Sloan memory that comes to you? Oh, quite a lot. I, I guess there is one memory that always comes to my mind, which is riding the bike. You know, Boston and Cambridge are kind of going back to your youth and riding your bike to move to places. And I remember on a very sunny day, uh, it was, I think, around March or April, and moving from Eastgate, from the uh, Sloan building to the Dom and feeling the sun on my face and then entering the building, going into the basement and meeting someone in a very, very old uh, classroom from that iconic building. Uh, I guess this at this moment, I felt how lucky I was to be there and uh, having had that opportunity to get involved in the community. So so how did you, so for, for other prospective students, I mean, you were overseas and, uh, you know, this is a, a, a big move to, to move to the United States for one or two years, if not more. How did you choose Sloan and how did you, yeah, how did you kind of grapple with that sort of large decision? I had it easier. I was living in the States already when I made the decision. I was transferred with my company to Miami to uh, consult to multinational corporations, U.S. headquarter corporations. So I already knew the culture. I was a green card holder. So the, the step was not that big for me. The decision itself uh, came pretty easy. I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I was an engineer what's the best way to get involved into the entrepreneurial world other than getting into an entrepreneurial community that can provide you the network. In terms of business schools, for me, there was no other choice. So it was a matter of making that first step and, and saying, yeah, I'm going to do it. Were you, uh, were you married at the time that you did this? And I'm, I'm curious what impact your, your partner had uh, on your decision to attend Sloan? Yes, yes. I, were, I was married. Uh, we've been lucky. We've, we've been living in many different countries, in Germany, Czech Republic, obviously in Spain. Um, then we moved together to the United States. We have been lucky to be able to move with um, our respective um, jobs and companies, employers. So that has not really affected. No, none of us both had 
ever to leave everything for the others' wishes and career path. We we just managed through leaving some some periods of time split until we could reunite again in our chosen destination, but we've always made the decision together and made our way through to make it together with our own career and professional goals. So if you had to have a, a do-over at Sloan, uh, like a class that you wish you'd taken, um, what, what would it be? I would have worked longer for the MIT Media Lab. I would have taken advantage of the incredible opportunity to actually do the men's at Manus of mm-hmm. philosophy of MIT and work more and studied less. Well, interesting. I thought you were going to say, let's see, work more and party less. No, you studied. You, you're saying you studied a lot. <laughs> well, it's it's the dedication to the MIT Sloan courses, not not studying itself, but definitely a lot of projects going on out there. I would have really dedicated more of my time to do something really different than going through the MBA courses. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, for me, when I think about it, it's, it's like there are so many decisions you need to make and unfortunately something has to give, right? And it's just, if you could only add another year or two or five, then you could do it all. But that's not the answer either, right? Well, I guess my definite do-over is to have tried to stay at MIT as a collaborator, uh, if possible, working at MIT. That's something I miss. I really miss being there in Boston and smelling that innovation I was mentioning before is something that I wish sometime in the future I will be able to fulfill. So what's, you've had a few different um, positions and careers and lived in different cities. Uh, what, what's your definition of success? For me, it's doing something that remains a legacy, whether that means personally uh, to my family or uh, a real impact to many people in the world. Uh, Both for me are are okay definition for success, but living the world better than what you encounter it. Interesting. And so what's what's next for for Gattaca? Is it something I can start using now or how are you uh, partnering with companies to come on board to the platform? Well, we've come a long way uh, since we left MIT. We've entered into a very strategic agreement with a national government organization in Europe to deploy potentially the technology at national scale. And we just were selected by the European Commission to help them define the technical specifications for a decentralized digital identity in Europe. That's fantastic. Yeah, the company is, is doing amazingly good. Uh, uh, fortunately, the, the market is uh, growing exponentially. The world, specifically policymakers, have realized the potential impact of, of these architectures in even growing uh, GDP by three points, according to some analysts. Um, so the, the concept itself is taking a good momentum and we've, we're very well positioned because we've been working on this for three years now. So we're one of the providers with the most advanced and mature products out there. That's great. Well, that's um, good to hear that. And I, I do think that, you know, for all of the ways that people have been trying to solve the whole password conundrum, I hope that your, your platform prevails. 
So do you have any um, any parting advice for prospective Sloanies or people who might want to uh, consider moving halfway across the world to, to attend MIT? Just do it. Is everyone can. It's all about attitude and thinking big. I guess uh, some of our fears sometimes limit our capabilities, but it's only uh, a mindset status. Uh, for me, it's, everyone can do whatever he or she proposes. So yes, go for your goals. That's great. How, is, uh, how are things in Spain now with uh, the COVID-19? Are you slowly opening back up? Um, yes, not everywhere. Madrid, for instance, is still in um, under lockdown. We can go outside. It's going uh, way better. Uh, the daily incidences have lowered under 500. So definitely, we're we're dealing with the curve finally, and we expect by June to be uh, not back to normal. I, I guess we will never be the same. But definitely, de- definitely, we're already ahead of, of the crisis. That's excellent. Well, I want to thank uh, Irene Hernandez, a 2018 graduate of Sloan's MBA program and the CEO of Gataca, G-A-T-A-C-A, for joining us here on Sloanies Talking with Sloanies. Thanks, Christopher. Hasta la próxima. Hasta la próxima. Sloanies Talking with Sloanies is produced by the Office of External Relations at MIT Sloan School of Management. You can subscribe to this podcast by visiting our website, mitsloan.mit.edu slash alumni, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Support for this podcast comes in part from the Sloan Annual Fund, which provides essential, flexible funding to ensure that our community can pursue excellence. Make your gift today by visiting giving.mit.edu slash sloan. To support this show, or if you have an idea for a topic or a guest you think we should feature, drop us a note at sloanalumni at mit.edu.